I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from the UAE. How would you characterize the richest and most powerful country in the world, the United States? Is it defined by forever wars, anti-China and Russia propaganda, homelessness and poverty? A three-time U.S. presidential candidate thinks all of the above and hopes next year's U.S. election could pave the way for change. Jacob Hornberger, president and founder of the Future of Freedom Foundation, is running in the 2024 U.S. election for the Libertarian Party, a party that promotes civil liberties, non-interventionism, and laissez-faire capitalism. He joins me for today's episode from Broadlands in Virginia to talk about why he thinks the United States needs a dose of libertarianism. Jacob, thanks so much for uh, coming on. We had RFK Jr.'s campaign manager, Dennis Kucinich, on recently. And uh, I suppose, given recent events, just if we kick off about how U.S. foreign policy impacts on the lives at home on ordinary Americans... Uh, will your campaign be able to communicate that connection? And how do you see the connection between this uh, amazing foreign policy being celebrated on cable network news every night over there and uh, what it means in terms of uh, everyday lives in the United States? Well, America's foreign policy has impacted American life in dramatic ways. Uh, the... Uh, the noted civil rights leader Martin Luther King pointed out a long time ago during one of the U.S. government's infamous interventions that, that we're operating under the, the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. And I don't think anybody can deny that. When it comes to purveying violence, the U.S. government is clearly number one. I don't know how many people they've killed over the last 50 years, but it certainly has to number in the millions. And the idea has always been that as long as these deaths are taking place over there, it would not impact society here at home, that people could go about their daily lives. That clearly is not the case. Uh, we, we live in a society that's violence-ridden, mass shootings. And I have absolutely no doubts it's because of this culture of violence from the greatest purveyor of violence in the world that is the motivating, the, the driving force behind this impact, not to mention the destruction of our rights and liberties here at home with things like the USA Patriot Act, state-sponsored assassinations, including of American citizens, secret surveillance on the American people. All of this has been an absolute disaster insofar as American society and freedom has, is concerned. And do you think there's something new now, this bipartisanship between left and right? I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. associated, of course, with the left when he made his famous Vietnam uh, speech in New York, in that this isn't making laissez-faire capitalism any better. You describe the United States as some kind of, I don't know, proto-Soviet Union in terms of how it benefits a few oligarch corporations who are basically subsidized by the U.S. state. Well, I've long argued that there's really no fundamental difference between Republicans or Democrats. Uh, they all believe on the fundamental premises of America's welfare state, which is a socialist system. They also um, believe in what I believe is the worst mistake America has ever made, and that's the conversion of our federal government from a limited government republic, which was our founding governmental system, to a national security state. This is the worst governmental system, whether it's adopted by the United States, Russia, China, Cuba, North Korea, Pakistan, Egypt, because this is a type of governmental system that wields omnipotent powers. So while people in both sides, both parties, sometimes decry the forever wars, not very often because they, they really stand jointly in favor of most of them. In fairness they, to Joe Biden, he ended the Afghanistan one, 
albeit to start the Ukraine one. That's right, but that was inevitable anyway. I mean, it was it, clear that the Taliban were ultimately going to win that war, and it was just a matter of which president was going to have to suffer the indignity of being having U.S. troops forced out during his term of office. So he, he didn't really end it. It got ended for him. Uh, he clearly believes in foreign interventionism, just as about all the Democrats and all the Republicans do. This is the dis one of the distinguishing characteristics of, of libertarians. We oppose these foreign interventions, coups, wars, and so forth. But what's different from my campaign is that I recognize that the root cause of these forever wars is the national security state. As long as you have a national security state, you're going to have these forever wars, crises, interventions, coups, and so forth, because that's their, that's their fuel that keeps them going and keeps their budgets going and their power going. You see, Julian Assange uh, said that to, to me on this, on this program, and the Future of Freedom Foundation has highlighted uh, Julian Assange, who's uh, being uh, detained in, in London, has highlighted his case. Uh, if you were president, you'd drop the grand jury uh, against him and uh, plans to assassinate him, as we understand, in London that had been uncovered in the Spanish case. Uh, because uh, assassination has been a technique that you uh, have written about, and uh, we know that there were plans to assassinate Julian Assange in London. Uh, combined uh, U.S. and U.K. authorities tried to. Well, state-sponsored assassination has been in the armament of U.S. foreign policy since 1947, when the national security state came into existence. Uh, it is an omnipotent power. And Julian Assange and Edward Snowden provide a perfect demonstration of what has happened to this country, because that both of those individuals should be celebrated as heroes for disclosing the dark side secrets of the national security state. But because they disclose the dark side secrets, they're considered traitors, bad people. And so any president worth his salt would immediately issue a pardon, which any president has the power to do, to both of those individuals on the first day in office. And, uh, and I absolutely recommend to the Justice Department that all charges be dismissed. It, it is absolutely disgraceful the way both of these heroic individuals have been treated. Why do you think no one talks about Guantanamo torture camp in uh, occupied Cuba anymore? What, no one mentions it in the U.S. Uh, media. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to face the reality of what's happened to this country. I mean, look, we started out as a country that opposed indefinite detention. That's what the right to speedy trial is all about in the Bill of Rights, the right to counsel, the right to be free from cruel and unusual punishments, uh, the right of trial by jury. All of these rights have been denigrated, destroyed there at Guantanamo Bay. It's, it's been an absolute disgrace. But I think the problem with the mainstream media is they've been largely co-opted by the national security state, the Pentagon, the CIA, the NSA. And so if they criticize this, they're perceived as criticizing America. And they don't want to be seen as criticizing America. Well, what they fail to understand is that we're talking about two separate entities here. The federal government, including the national security establishment, and America as a country. I mean, our Bill of Rights demonstrates this. It protects our country from the federal government. And I think the problem with the mainstream media is that they've got a lot of fear. They, they don't want to confront and face what has happened to our country. And Guantanamo Bay is a perfect demonstration of what has happened to our country. 
How successful are that so-called mainstream media at demonizing the immigrant amongst the uh, catastrophe on your southern border as the real problem, not the military-industrial complex? Well, they're always looking for scapegoats uh, because um, America is in a deep morass now. And the popular scapegoat has always been illegal immigrants because they can't defend themselves. And so I have always stood for the rights of people to cross borders. You grew up on the border, right? I grew up on the border on a farm on the Rio Grande. We hired illegal immigrants. They were the hardest working people I've ever seen. I lived almost half my life there. I know border life. There is a police state down there because of the immigration system. And there's death and there's suffering, uh, deaths in the backs of tractor trailers or dying of thirst in, on the desert or in the Rio Grande from drowning or from a bullet from a border patrol agent. And option, the real root cause of this crisis is this socialist system of immigration central planning. Immigration central planning has caused what the economist Ludwig von Mises called planned chaos. What better term to use down there? And so I, I have long argued for 40 critics years... Critics of Demises and critics of what you're saying would say, no, they're trying to uh, cope with this influx, albeit usually those people uh, uh, forget that how foreign policy contributes to the uh, crisis. And they'd say, but you'll just empty the whole of Central and Latin America if you uh, end the border and chop the wall down and just end the whole of customs and border protection. Well, that's just pure nonsense because free markets work. We, we have the greatest geographic area for open borders here in the United States between the states. And not everyone suddenly decides to move to California or to New York or to Florida or to Texas. The free market is your great regulator. But you're absolutely right. U.S. foreign policy in terms of what they've done in Latin America with sanctions and coups and interventions has contributed mightily to this massive influx into the United States. And so you've got Democrats and Republicans celebrating these sanctions and coups and interventions, while at the same time lamenting the consequences of their own policies, and then forcing people back into the very conditions of death and suffering that they have contributed to with their sanctions, coups, and interventions. Front-runner Trump says he's a capitalist. Why do you think he doesn't understand that the border should be open? That's one of the hypocrisies of, of uh, Republicans is that they talk like they favor free markets and free enterprise, except when it comes to the border, which is the epitome. Open borders is the epitome of free markets, free movements of people, freedom of association, economic liberty. And it's the only solution to this crisis. There is no other solution except op completely open borders. Abolish the border control, abolish the immigration service, abolish all restrictions. But you've got Republicans preaching free enterprise while doing the others, the other side. But the Democrats are no different. The Democrats, like Kennedy, say, oh, they love the poor, needy, and disadvantaged. And yet they also favor this cruel and brutal system that, that abuses and causes death among the poorest people in the world. That's shameful. Well, they'll say it comes from an idealistic Hayekian vision of uh, your uh, libertarianism, of course. But either way, you'll be targeted as being uh, uh, against uh, the prevailing idea on all U.S. media and NATO nation media, which is you seem to forget that the enemy is uh, not the military-industrial complex. The enemy is Russia and the enemy 
is China. How successful do you think they have been, the uh, authorities and elites in uh, the United States, at convincing American ordinary people that their enemy is, uh, is not at home, their enemy is far away? Oh, the, the propaganda and indoctrination has been very effective. Uh, I mean, as soon as they name a new official enemy, a large mass of the American people immediately adopt that as their new official enemy. And a national security state always needs a, new official enemies to keep people scared and riled up and so forth. But our founding fathers and the framers of our Constitution understood that the greatest threat to our freedom and well-being lies with our very own government. That's the purpose of the Bill of Rights, to protect us from the federal government. And that is the greatest threat. And, and so, but what they do is they create these new monsters like China and Russia and Syria and Afghanistan, the Taliban and Saddam Hussein. It, the list goes on and on and on. They've always got somebody in the hopper to keep people afraid and riled up so that they will continue to support the ever-increasing budgets for the, what President Eisenhower, who also warned about this edifice in his farewell address when he said this is a grave threat, this military-industrial complex to the rights and liberties and democratic processes of the American people. They need these official enemies to get people distracted away from the real threat, and that's our own federal government. Jake and Hornberger, I'll stop you there. More from the 2024 U.S. Libertarian presidential candidate after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the 2024 U.S. Libertarian presidential candidate and president and founder of the Future of Freedom Foundation, Jacob Hornberger. Jacob, you mentioned RFK earlier. I uh, understand that Joe Biden has not allowed uh, federal funds for uh, payment for security detail, given you don't like federal funds for anything. Maybe you agree on that one. But uh, obviously it's dangerous to run for president. Uh, Quick sidebar to what we're talking about. Uh, you think that the federal government or the uh, federal government's uh, uh, influences or designers of the assassination of a sitting president, John F. Kennedy, and that that could happen again, that LBJ was involved in the Kennedy assassination? Yeah, I've actually, uh, I've actually written two, uh, more than two books, but two principal books on the Kennedy assassination. One's called The Kennedy Autopsy and the other's called An Encounter with Evil, the Abraham Zabruder story. And there is no question but that once the Assassination Records Review Board came out in the 1990s, that the military conducted a fraudulent autopsy on the president's body. And that evidence proves that beyond a reasonable doubt. And then my latest book shows that the CIA took possession of the famous Zabruder film 
on the weekend of the assassination and produced an altered fraudulent copy of it. Well, as I've long argued, there is no innocent explanation for a fraudulent autopsy in a fraudulent film. Those two events definitely established beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the the standard in a criminal case, that this was a national security state regime change operation. No different from the regime change operation in, in Iran in 53, Guatemala 54, later in Chile in 73. The principle is when there is a threat to national security, the national security establishment is going to deal with that, whether it's through assassination or some other vehicle. And so I admire Robert Kennedy Jr. for pointing out, he has the courage to point out that the CIA was involved in this. I, it befuddles me why he gives the Pentagon a pass, because clearly the Pentagon was, was involved in it too with their fraudulent autopsy. Uh, but give him credit. What, what I don't understand is why he wants the federal government to protect him. I mean, the federal government, through the national security establishment, that included elements of the Secret Service, were responsible for the killing of his uncle. I think he's better off with private security guards. And, and perhaps his father, as he himself admits. And Joe Biden continues the cover-up by not releasing those papers. So we have an election in which you're running and... Uh, Trump looks set perhaps to be jailed. Who knows? Running his campaign like Eugene Debs in the 20s from prison. We see RFK Jr. threatened with assassination. I mean, what do your family think about you running? Again. Uh, this time there's around. There's nothing... You know, they're not they're not worried about me. They're not worried about the Libertarian Party. Uh, the the Libertarian Party. But you don't think your candidate. ideas have grown since the first time you ran for the presidency, in terms of oh, how absolutely. many more Americans are now realizing that something is deeply awry within uh, the state, the states. Oh, absolutely. Now, there is no question that Libertarian ideas have 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 made their way through American society. It's totally different from what, let's say, twenty years ago. And so I argue in the Libertarian Party that what we need to do is restore our original brand of, of principal libertarianism, because that, for me, is a vote-getter. That is a vote-winner. When I ran three years ago, I lost the nomination, but I won seven out of nine primaries. And that showed me, not because I'm any great guy, because I'm not, it shows that people like this principled message and will vote for it when given the opportunity. How totalitarian is the United States, given the total support for Zelensky in, in Congress? You'll have to remind me of how much money uh, public funds uh, have been sent to Kiev and to his bank accounts. I don't know how many tens of millions it is, but um, there's a great book by a man named Michael Glennon. Um, that he's professor of law at Tufts University, former counsel for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. It's entitled National Security and Double Government. And Glennon's thesis is that the entity that's in charge of the federal government is the national security establishment, the Pentagon, the CIA, and the NSA. The other three branches are permitted to have the veneer of power, but the real power lies with this part of the federal government. So, and I believe he's right. And I, so I believe it's the Pentagon and the CIA that are running this show in Ukraine. And that Biden is just going along and following orders. Uh, Albeit there's a Hunter Biden case as well going on where uh, those on the right allege uh, Joe Biden is personally uh, profiteering out of this. And, of course, many congressmen and women do get uh, funds from the armed uh, armaments companies. And uh, Anthony Blinken, of course, is a former Pentagon consultant. 
contracted consent. Well, you know, I, I don't know enough about that aspect of it, but I mean, there, let's face it, corruption in government is not a new phenomenon. And so, you know, we can focus on the corruption or we can focus on dismantling the illegitimate apparatuses of the government that give rise to this corruption. If you get rid of the national security establishment and you put in a limited government, all of a sudden all the defense, so-called defense contractors disappear. They're gone. And so therefore you have no more $10,000 toilet seats and so forth because it's just not there anymore. So I think that's better to focus on than trying to get rid of the corruption in these government programs because I think that's never going to be uh, uh, fulfilled. It, it just comes as part of the deal. Corruption does. You know, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, had a picture uh, unveiled in the State Department. Anthony Blinken oversaw it. And the first thing Hillary Clinton started talking about was not just how important the Pentagon was and the State Department. It was aid, U.S. aid. How do you think U.S. authorities have persuaded the American public to believe that aid and humanitarian aid is some type of Christian charity, some something good, when, uh, according to you, actually, uh, foreign aid is, uh, is, is appalling in, in terms of that, its human destruction? That is an absolutely fascinating question, because you, you're absolutely right. People take this position that if the government is helping out some foreign regime, or here domestically, helping out seniors with Social Security or Medicare or education grants or food stamps, that that reflects the goodness, care, and compassion of the American people. Well, I was talking about foreign aid, though. I'll get on to food stamps in a moment, okay. but foreign aid. Well, it's, but it's all based on the same principle, that if they're giving money that has been collected by the Internal Revenue Service and given it to the regime in Ukraine, for example, or some other foreign regime, that that reflects the good, caring, compassion of the American people. That's nonsense. The Internal Revenue Service that collects these taxes, there is nothing good, caring, compassion about this agency. It is the most tyrannical agency in the history of this country. It's based on force. When the government's forcing people to go send their money to somebody else, especially some crooked, corrupt foreign regime, that is as far away from good, caring, compassionate conduct as you can find. Good, caring, compassionate conduct comes from the willing heart of people who are donating their own money not participating in a system where the IRS is stealing their money and send it to dictators in overseas lands. I mean, clearly, USAID money going to al-Qaeda in Syria or, or uh, as you've written about, Pinochet in uh, Chile, I mean, one can understand that's a bad idea. But if you start messing around with Medicaid and uh, Medicare, or say food stamps, I mean, from day one of your presidency, 40 million people would starve to death, wouldn't they, the next day? That's the numbers of people on uh, your food stamp SNAP program. You can't just stop it. That's pure nonsense. You, you stop 40 million are, having, are getting the food from federal aid right now, tonight, in the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah. You'd stop yeah, it. And, and what are they supposed to do? You see, this, this, is, this is the insidious part of socialism, and that's what these are. These are socialist programs. And that's the insidious part. One of the insidious parts of socialism is they inculcate this mindset of helpless dependency among the recipients. Look, we live without these socialist programs for more than 100 years in this country, and people did well without them. What we've got to do is restore our faith in freedom and free markets and voluntary charity. You've got children. You've got grandchildren. You've got church groups charitable groups, charitable foundations. Um, there is no question in my mind that if Social Security and Medicare were abolished today, 
that there would immediately be the foundation for former Social Security and Medicare recipients popping up where people would donate and help those people out. Yeah, but the oligarchs, well, the oligarchs in your country clearly favor the congressmen that they're donating, congressmen and congresswomen that they're donating to, and the uh, elites that uh, the Libertarian Party rails against. I don't want to get too philosophical onto that, but obviously they believe that the uh, the fight is is abroad. Uh, given the levels of propaganda, how can the libertarian message get out to the American public? And by by adhering to principle and speaking the truth about what's going on. I mean, you know, there's a reason why totalitarian dictators try to shut people like us down, because they know that sound ideas on liberal liberty, principled ideas have the ability to sweep across a society and grab the hearts and minds of people. And no totalitarian dictatorship can stand up against that phenomenon. So what we need to do is just continue adhering to principle, we libertarians, uh, to our principles, fighting as libertarians instead of adopting the principles of Republicans and Democrats. And then that's what will generate this awakening in America because that's how I discovered libertarianism. And, and if it can happen, happen to me, I'm just a regular person. It can happen to every, everybody. And then we see dramatic, radical change and a paradigm shift toward a much better, peaceful, harmonious, and free society. You see, there, is some, there is some, there are some uh, foreign policy analysts who believe Joe Biden may go all the way to World War III and is uh, intent on uh, upping the stakes risking it in a much worse way than 1962 uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Do you think that your libertarian ideas and those on people on the left, Cornell West, of course, is running, there seems to be a grand unity uh, between left and right, and some even in the center, that the most important issue facing the world right now is this U.S. war on Russia through Ukraine. Uh, do you think there are going to be alliances that we would never have expected between libertarianism and your most hated group, socialists, uh, and others, uh, to be able to fight the totalitarian American state? I think it's very possible. I mean, that's what happened during the Vietnam War. Uh, you had people from the left and libertarians and some conservatives also that were opposing the war. And I think you're absolutely right, um, except I, I take issue with your with your notion that this is Biden calling these shots. Again, I believe it's the Pentagon calling these shots. But they are getting us increasingly close to nuclear war, just like they did back in 62. You know, we often blame the Soviet Union and Cuba for installing those nuclear missiles. What we ignore in this is that the reason they installed those missiles was to protect against the Pentagon and the CIA, who were pressuring President Kennedy to invade Cuba. And so now you've got this same national security establishment, new people, that have provoked this war by absorbing those Warsaw Pact nations in violation of the promises that were made, inexorably moving uh, toward the, the, the Russia's borders, knowing full well what the response was going to be. I mean, this really is a war between the United States and Russia. They're using Ukraine as a proxy. They're hoping to get regime change in, in Russia. That's always been their motif in foreign policy. And they're getting us ever closer to nuclear war because one mishap, one mistake option, and all of a sudden nuclear, nu nuclear missiles are flying. And so this whole thing needs to be reevaluated by the American people. We need to be thinking about where we started out as a country, and how we got to where we are today, 
and what we need to get out of this morass. And that's what my campaign for president is all about, how to get our nation moving in a better, peaceful, more prosperous, harmonious direction, including with Russia, including with China. This is precisely what President Kennedy was doing in his famous peace speech at American University when he said we need to reevaluate the way we look at the Soviet Union and the communist world. We need to peacefully coexist even while competing at the same time. I think he was absolutely right. Jake and Hornberger, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. That's it for the show. Remember, we're bringing you brand new episodes every Saturday and Monday, but until then, keep in touch via all our social media. If it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV, on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you soon.